Hey listeners, it's your wonderful good buddy Rudy Basso here. Just a quick a little bit of housekeeping before we start. We love talking about Baldur's Gate so much, Baldur's Gate 2 so much, that we just kept talking about it. And it's way longer than a normal episode of D&D and V&G is. So we're slicing this bad boy in two. You'll listen to part one today if you are listening, which you have to be since you okay and part two will be coming out two weeks from today also we recorded this a little bit a while ago and our discussion about the enhanced editions ui is no longer accurate uh it is in fact way updated and way different looking but i didn't want to cut the discussion because i still thought it should be about the experience we had while playing so Take it with a grain of salt. It definitely looks a lot different. It definitely looks a lot better. But any discussion about the old version of BG2 that you can get on GOG is still relevant. So, yeah. Take a listen. Thanks so much as always. I'll see you soon. Hello there and welcome back to D&D V&G. The only monthly podcast where we take a look at a Dungeons & Dragons licensed video game. Today, we are talking about Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Om. Joining me, as always, we have... Alex! Vegas! Vegas! John! No, whoa, who's that? <laughs> That's Is it right. Time wizard? No, it's not him. Uh, damn. <laughs> we have a special guest. Is our friend... A nice gentleman, a scientist, oh, whoa, whoa. a future astronaut, I'm I'm calling it now, Dr. John Fisher. Hi, John. Hey. Thank you for being here. Yay. Hey, most of those things are false. Thanks, though. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, John, can you give us a brief background on your history playing video games? Uh, well, my history playing video games has been rather abridged lately. As you mentioned, I, I got my doctorate and I had to basically quit playing video games for a while. Um, but it's cool. Now my 360's got like five years of life left to it because I haven't played any games in a while. Before that, uh, I actually started playing computer games with Baldur's Gate 2 way back in the day. And uh, other than that, you know, when I was a kid, um, I started with the original Nintendo, which I'll tell you what, good times. Good times indeed. Yes, John, when we first started this podcast, you reached out to me specifically to say that when we did the Baldur's Gate 2 episode, you wanted to be on it. And here you are, and here is that day, and I'm sure it's like a dream come true for you. Oh, it's, I've been waiting with bated breath. I thought it would, this day would never come, Rudy. Wow. I'm happy to make dreams happen. Guys, tell me about Baldur's Gate 2. Let's have Vegas tell me, who made this game? Who, who released this game? Was it Bioware or something? Uh -huh. sort of. Developed by Black Isle and Interplay and released by Bioware in 2000. Whoa. That's well, forever ago. That was forever ago. But wait, two There's years more. ago, Greg, what, what happened two years ago? Three years ago? Two and change. It's so many years ago by now, Rudy. Yeah. So this studio called Beamdog Studios developed the Enhanced Edition and released it back in November of 2013. It includes a bunch of new quests, characters, and a special horde mode called The Black Pits 2, Gladiators of Fae. They're also very shortly releasing a prequel, sort of sequel to Baldur's Gate 1, prequel to Baldur's Gate 2, let's call it 1.5, and they called it Siege of Dragonspear Castle at the end of this month. Not shortly releasing, it is released by this point. Ah, right, because Time Wizards. Woo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's actually, it's $20, which is a bit for a game using an engine from the late 90s. And it is DLC for Baldur's Gate 1 Enhanced Edition, which is also $20. So if you want to play Siege of Dragonspear and don't already have BG1, you're going to need to drop $40. But you might have saved money on the possible sale that they had during the release. Uh, I would maybe? hope so. I would hope they do something like that and drop the the cost of Baldur's Gate one down. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You know, this has got to be a record. Uh, DLC released for a game that came out sixteen years ago. Yeah. Like, well, Baldur's Gate happened? one even longer. I think eighteen. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, it was eighteen. I mean, the only the only thing I can think of is like Kotor two. 
Yeah, getting with their updated mod. With, yeah, but that was they, free. Wait, but this well, is that, that's that's a fun fact for me. I didn't know that. Jeez, this was uh, yeah, yeah a couple yeah, months should, ago. A lost contract. Look, 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 look what happens when you don't play video games in a, several years. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, Alex, what kind of game is Baldur's Gate 2? Uh, Baldur's Gate 2 is a real-time party-based tactical RPG where you control a party of up to six-player characters at once. Uh, there's a lot of strategy, and a lot of things are happening at once, so a pause button is in the game, and it is very, very important. The game starts uh, after Baldur's Gate 1 has ended. You've been kidnapped by an evil... A mage or wizard, whatever, and he is trying to un, uh, he's trying to tap your latent abilities in order to gain power for himself. So you wake up in a dungeon, there's all these crazy experiments going on, and you have to find your way out, and then the game goes from there. All right, guys, let's jump right into it. First things first, let's talk about who played what, because as uh, Greg told us, there is an Enhanced Edition version. I played the Enhanced Edition. Alex played the Enhanced Edition, and Vegas played the Enhanced Edition. Yeah. Greg, you purchased this on GOG.com, goodoldgames.com. Yes, sir. Uh, for $10, which yeah. is half the price of the Enhanced Edition. I'm frugal. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, I played it with zero mods. You played it with zero mods. So just okay. whatever GOG. <laughs> I played the game GOG gave me. Yeah. And John... Broke out his old-timey CDs. Oh, yes. DVDs? Is this on a DVD? That's a good question. No, it's No, it's like a big six-pamphlet CD. I remember that. I think... Baldur's Gate folder. If you include uh, Throne of Ball, I think it's less than three gigabytes. So it's it's CDs. Yeah. And just to specify, we are not discussing Throne of Ball, the expansion to to Shadows of Arm. We're just talking Shadows of Arm today. Well, I had to install it solely because if you don't, there several mods do not work. Oh, interesting. Let's jump into it. The UI. The first thing when you see when you see this game, you got buttons to press. <laughs> the entire left side of the screen is filled with things to do. Uh, the entire right side of not entire left side, the panel on the left side of the screen. There's a panel on the right side of the screen showing your uh, party and their health. And then in the very bottom, in the middle, we have everything that's going on under the hood. All the conversation, all the damage being done. You can add the roles added on there. You can see everything going on. What do you guys think of this UI from a modern game day perspective? Let's say that first. Vegas. Well, I'll say this. I think I'm the only one on the podcast today that's never played Baldur's Gate or Baldur's Gate 2 before playing it. For this podcast. Uh, so I think I'm having a very different experience than you guys are. When I started playing, I thought the UI was just overwhelming. Um, there's a crap ton of icons on the left side that do different things, and you're controlling your dudes, and there's a crap ton of buttons on the bottom. And in a modern game, if you had something like that, if you like hovered your mouse over it, uh, a little pop-up would come up saying what those icons do. Um, but in this game, you just got to click them and find out. Or read a manual, I guess. Yeah. Ah, I can. So I thought kind of the same thing. But it's just initially I was like, oh, man, this is so annoying. The mouse over delay is just really long and you can change it. And once I did that, the game, like dealing with the UI became much happier for me. If you do press tab, it opens ah. up. Yeah. I didn't tab, yeah. Tab That's is what super. I do. Yeah, but you can, I mean, you can change it to be instantaneous, uh, yeah. which is, I, yeah, no, I know. I think should be default. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, if you're coming in and you haven't played this game before, it is overwhelming. Uh, one thing that I think really is kind of a pain is, like, when you look at your spells... Uh, yeah, and those don't have any icons on, or just all the abilities on the bottom bar. So, like when you click a thief, there's all these weird, funky icons, and you're like, "What does this do?" And it's really mm -hmm. important to know what find traps and pick lock do. Uh, yeah, and you, you're not gonna like the the icons. I don't think really do a great job of representing. Well, maybe the thievery icon's okay, but the find traps icon I think does not represent finding traps that well at all. So yeah. it's for 
for guys that play these games essentially all the time, um, I don't know, the readability, it's like you got to learn something new. You know, like some of it's kind of common and some of it's like, oh, this probably is this, but uh, not not great on that front, I would say. And I think that's a huge failing of the Enhanced Edition, that as a company re-releasing a game from 2000, they should know, okay, this is what 2013 RPG players should expect. And for them to not do things like make that the default that Alex mentioned, or not have some sort of... Maybe there are limitations with the engine, but I feel like... Vegas is the perfect example of someone who jumped into it and was just like taken aback. Uh, and that's a mistake. That's something that they should have uh, been working for immediately. John, what do you think of the UI? Uh, well, the, I, I actually I do agree with everything you, you said about, you know, it should be more instructive. Uh, I took it for granted because, of course, I've played the, the game a lot. Um, and I, I wasn't really thinking in those terms because when the game came out, that wasn't really the standard, I don't think. No, um, I agree. I agree. But uh, one thing I will say, as far as it being cluttered, um, I, I I don't really agree that it's too cluttered. Uh, my reason for saying that is that uh, you're controlling six characters, and more modern games, to my knowledge, uh, solve the UI problem by not letting you control six characters. Um, like KOTOR, you can control three characters, for instance, and like all of the subsequent games that are kind of in that realm. Um, so I, I, I think it's, you could say it's cluttered, but I can't think of a better way of making six characters actually playable in a game. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning is 2.5. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, I think each one of those buttons is super important, and I couldn't imagine them not being there. Maybe the journal could have been folded into something else, but you've got character sheet, you've got pre-scroll, you've got mage book, you've got map. You've got a lot of things that may seem like overwhelming initially, but as you get into the game, it's like, okay, well, of course, I just click this when I need to go to my inventory or whatever. And I yeah. think it, it is somewhat you can catch on pretty quickly yeah i would never make the argument that you don't need all this stuff john you are 100 percent correct there's so much going on and i think given the level of complexity and what they're trying to manage they actually did a decent job of getting everything going i think it's just um i just think rudy made a good point about you know all right this is an enhanced edition what can we enhance you know like Especially given the time and like the limitations and of when it came out, I think they did a great job. But I'm curious, Vegas, did you play through the tutorial? I didn't know there was a tutorial. Really? Yeah, that was another thing I found overwhelming about the game. Like right away, maybe the menu's different. No, I opened the game and there are three different games I can play as soon as you open it and. Uh, it doesn't say, like, Shadows of Arm is the base game. It's just, like, pick which of the Baldur's Gate 2s uh, you need to play. So <laughs> from the literal start menu, I am confused about how to play the game and had to go online and look up which one I wanted to play. Um, again, you know, that's, I, I don't know, uh, maybe the target audience at this point is people with Baldur's Gate 2 nostalgia, but that was my initial, initial impression. Um, so yeah, there I, is no true tutorial, actually. There's only movies. That, no, yeah, wait, wait, there's wait. a tutorial in the original. There game. totally is a tutorial because I played it. Uh, oh, really? So it sounds like, yeah. It sounds, yeah maybe they ditched tutorial it. In Baldur's Gate 2. I played through it. Um, you go in like an inn. I can't remember the guy's name. But it like, oh, teaches, yeah. you, teaches you how to do every single thing you need to do. Like all the... the Thief stuff, cleric spells, wizard spells, memorizing learning spells, what all the different UI things are, how to talk to people, like how to split up the party, like traps. Huh. Wow. Pickpocketing. Maybe they ditched it, that because I'm it, in the game right everything. now and all there is is a bunch of videos. Yeah, there is a how to play section. That's yes. so lame. Uh, which yeah, has a I bunch of be. movies. And, oh, not a bunch. It's. 
maybe there a dozen. Are, yeah. So that's not the like learn by doing and put in just here to watch this video. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is also one of the icons on the left that I think is new is a question mark, which does actually explain all the icons that the character you have selected currently stand for, uh, which is kind of useful, but. Uh, it's something, I don't know, I don't know if everyone will immediately notice it and quick, click it. Like, Vegas, did you ever click the question mark when you were confused? Nope. 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 Yeah, yeah I, I have never clicked it. I mean, I, I know what everything is, but I just noticed it now. I would have loved the tutorial, man. Um, That's uh, That cracks me up. That, yeah. yeah. It cracks me up, it frustrates me. <laughs> we Since we played basically the same game, I actually, I actually want to go back and look, because uh, I believe you. But I, hey, I guess, yeah, mine should have it. But you know what? I I uh, I was I was literally so used to you know going yeah. exactly where I was gonna go. I didn't even look at. It's like stuff. riding a bike. When yeah, you played through this game yeah. completely like twice, right? So yeah. I think you're good. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about the game itself. And actually, Wait, John, oh, I had a question. Oh. I'm sorry, I had a question. Sure. For the uh, one thing that you were talking, since we were talking about modern game stuff. Uh, in the enhanced edition, on when you had like a quest, did it indicate where the quest was on the map? No, assuming no, assuming that it was a quest that told you where you were going. No, no, it does none of that. Um, There's no arrow or anything like that. The journal that, itself is not really like better and more usable. Right. That, uh, that was something that I noticed when I was. I mean, obviously, I was playing the original version, so I would, it, I knew it wasn't going to work that way. But having played, having actually played more modern games than this, I, I thought, oh, you know. Sometimes in more modern games, it's it's kind of dumb and it and it makes it too easy. But on the other hand, if the yeah. journal is telling you go to this guy's house and that's marked on the map, just mark it like obviously on the map. Don't make yeah. me go to every yeah. single label and figure out which one is his house. Yeah, uh, that would be nice if it like lit maybe the one you need to go up to. The one kind of UI difference Enhanced Edition does do, or at least I'm pretty sure considering it's been uh, maybe about four or five years since I played the normal one is. In the inventory screen, it gives you a lot more character information. It basically includes the stuff that's normally on your character sheet over to the inventory screen for each character, mm. which is, I mean, it's not like most, uh, you know, the number one change I want, but it is a little more useful. So you can see your Thacko there, you can see your damage, and you can see all the sources your damage is coming from. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the older version doesn't have that, right? Do you guys? Do you remember right. seeing I that? I remember seeing yeah, Thacko on the inventory screen. I, uh, there was no. definitely your AC, but it's your okay. AC. But I think that's all it. This gives you your your AC, your hit points, your Thacko, it's and your damage. It's a scrollable text like screen, basically. Yeah, it breaks all that okay. down. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's not and, there. And that's nice. really like the one. Uh, well, kind oh. of improvement I remember. And the other, actually, the second improvement is if you're selecting a mage and you're going through their spellbook, and then you click over to a cleric, instead of keeping your uh, your screen on the the mage book, it'll automatically switch to a cleric scroll. Ooh. So you can you can alternate, you know, just by you don't have to to know which caster casts what when you're when you're sorting spells out between characters, uh, which saves right. a little bit of time. Greg just linked the pictures. Yeah, you can tell so there's a pretty it's, distinct difference. That is actually pretty nice. Yeah, yeah it's helpful. <laughs> That's the one thing. I mean, it's not a big mistake but that's like the one mistake i still make is that if you <laughs> if you navigate a certain way on the like the game screen where you're looking at the actual game mm -hmm. um and you like right click on things it behaves differently than you do if you're inside the the um the inventory screen so yeah. that was something where i was constantly trying to go to one place usually it was trying to go from inventory to character sheet or back and i always messed it up even now i still do so that would have been nice. By the way, Greg, the reason that I didn't notice the tutorial is because mm -hmm. I always played multiplayer, which will probably oh, really? certainly get to. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, really? And when you click on multiplayer, the tutorial is right? not there. Yeah. yeah, but you ditch so many of the characters. I always start can, a multiplayer game. You can do game. like four or five. And then just That's true. Like, I think yeah. I have. No, I, I, do, I did three and three. Like I usually do two or three of mine. And then... Mm -hmm. Because there are certain characters that just aren't like if certain you want, classes that just aren't in the game. Yeah, like yeah. if you want a good thief, good luck. <laughs> what about Yoshimo? Or Yoshimo? You want a good thief for the whole game? Good luck. <laughs> uh, that's fair. 
So this is using um, advanced in Dungeons and Dragons, the the second edition rules you could call them. Uh, so you have your base classes, and then you have so many kits, which yep. is so yeah. cool. I would say that's one of the most appealing things about this game is there are so many choices. Yes, I agree. Okay, uh, speaking again as first time person <laughs> playing the game. Uh, Second hang-up, uh, two minutes into the game, <laughs> came at character creation uh-huh. when I said, holy crap, how do I pick between these 80 different options? <laughs> and I had to wait for Alex to wake up so I could call him and ask <laughs> what was good. Yeah, I mean, playing the original game, I mean, I, is there like a manual that comes with it, like a PDF even or whatever with the Enhanced Edition? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I still remember like my 260 page manual right. from Baldur's Gate 2 that I would read right. all the time. So, I mean, and I did the same thing. This is I a different world uh, in video games. I don't think there is a. No, it doesn't come with a manual. Really? Yeah, that's that's problematic because it really Wait. tells you like if you want like you, you can tell from the game like if you choose a kit, it will tell you what it does and like the pros and cons. But you have to go between the different kits. Whereas yeah. the manual, you could just compare them all yeah. on one page. There so, are community oh, guides. Cavalier is awesome. Right. Let's Cavalier done. Yeah, uh, there are definitely there are tons of community resources for this game. Uh, oh, which yeah. I mean, if you, but I mean, if you're coming in and you just bought, you know, saw it on sale or something and bought it and start the game like Vegas did, it is gonna be like, what is going on here? So what you guys just told me is that. Um, Beamdog Studios or whoever set their requirements and paid them really didn't care about anyone new playing this game because you cannot release a game based on a really old edition of D&D with this much complexity and like assumed knowledge about a system without like I mean Baldur's Gate's manual 2's manual was hundreds of pages because it was reprints of essentially different sources from like second ed, AD&D. Yeah, yeah, rules. So like, you can't do that and expect someone to have any idea what's going on. So they must not have cared at all. Guys, when your armor class goes down, it's better. It's so <laughs> obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, why is my armor negative one? Points. Everyone's gonna hit me. You want your Thaco to go down too? Because yeah. hey, what the hell's Thaco? Oh no. The lower what? the better. <laughs> Two hit armor class. I don't zero. Two hit armor class zero, zero. right? Yes. yes. Plus, it doesn't even mention that if the main character dies, it's game over. So if you make something squishy, yeah, and he dies, which is very possible with the 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 mages, because they're called mages in this game, uh, yeah, wizards are called ma- the class yeah. is mage in this edition. Yep, it's mage, wild mage is the one you can point to right away. Which is a Throne of Bull exclusive class, so sorry for mentioning that. Um, that is true. The I'm kits, starting a new game right now to verify this. I think kits are awesome, though. Like, as someone who loves choices, there are so many. I think there, every class generally has three kits, except for yes. the Barbarian, which has none. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enhanced Edition does add, I think, a couple for Monk, which normally had no kits. One for oh, yeah. Sorcerer. Before. And a couple, uh, I think there's a, there's a, there's some good, there's like a, an evil paladin kit it adds, uh, an evil monk kit, uh, a couple more for the, I think there's a fighter one, maybe a thief one. So it adds a couple kits. Uh, the one thing I will say about kits is there are tons of like trap kits you can pick in this game, mm. which are just like, just straight up, like base classes in this game are almost never better than a kit. So you could be a, a normal fighter or you could be like a fighter kit like yeah. berserker crazy like, archer stuff or... yeah the berserker of the fighter kit like doesn't use ranged weapons but everything else is just like a benefit so if you don't want to be yeah. a ranged fighter there's literally no reason why you shouldn't be a berserker and yeah there's like i've read tons of guides where people like go through all the kits and grade them and make lists of what they think are the best and your game's gonna be a lot harder if you're making you know a, a terrible druid kit versus you know, some sort of paladin or something, so. Yeah, and I I had Alex to instruct me on what was good, so I got to pick a cool paladin inquisitor, 
But if I were playing this game without outside input, my natural inclination would be to pick just a regular sorcerer, which would have really screwed me over in playing the game. I, I don't agree with that, actually. I think the sorcerer... I mean, when I played it a long time ago, I thought it worked pretty well. It's not the same. It's not versatile, but it's basically the same as the sorcerer in 5e in that you just keep hitting things as hard as you can. Yeah, sorcerer isn't one of the worst, but if you chose, uh, like, a beastmaster ranger, maybe. (laughs) Sure. Getting real. Real in depth here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, and the other thing is, like, the base classes, I think the base classes are good if you're either, like, playing it for the first time, they can be good, because you don't know what tactics are necessarily going to be the best in any given situation, and you don't know what NPCs are going to be good for what tactics the first time you play. Mm. So, like, for instance, with the fighter, the fact that the fighter can use ranged and melee weapons, like, that... Maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal if you know what NPCs to choose, but if you don't, like that, it's helpful to be able to choose that. Like the same with the ranger, I've always, not always, but I, I've definitely played the regular ranger in addition to the archer, and they both have strengths. All the archer is super. Powerful. Yeah, I think ranger actually might be one of the few classes where the base really has some benefits over the. The kits are like super specialized for ranger. Yeah, well, and the mage is like the old. Uh, and you're right, by the way, it was Mage. I totally never uh, paid attention to that. Uh, anyway, the Mage, you have to uh, choose a school not to use. So that's the yeah. drawback of that. Although the answer is Divination. Conjurer. <laughs> it's Conjurer. The, the answer is Conjurer because, yeah, they don't yeah. use Divination. Yeah. Uh, let's actually make a segue from there. So there are lots of NPCs that you can pick up and join your party, but if you choose a multiplayer game, you can pull an Icewind Dale, as I like to say, and make as many party members as you want. Now, by doing this, you will miss out on all the fun conversations and characters that are in the game, but it will give you that benefit of not having to worry about, will I find a monk? Will I find a barbarian that I, and I really want one of these guys or whatever? Did anybody do that in their game? I did. John did. No. Uh, I mean, I've done it in the past. I chose not to in this game. I, I specifically went out of my way to get party members I've never really used that much. But it's definitely, if you want to have a super effective party and you really know how to make a character, making even just two can give you a huge advantage uh, yeah. oh, for yeah. some of the NPCs in the game. Yeah, I, I mean, did. I had a character named Craig Dragon Hunter. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I made him. Yeah. Yeah, Alex made all my characters. Yeah, you you had the characters I made for a multiplayer game, and then you just kept. He's the king of min-maxing. <laughs> By the way, this is one of those games where it's like, okay, roll for your stats, but just nope. roll as many times as you want until you have a ton yep. of 18s. Yeah. Oh, and, and their point buy is just one for one. Yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah. So roll until you get at least a 90. That's my, uh, my go-to. Yeah. Yep. I wish... See, in games where, like, you can re-roll as many times as you want, I don't know why they don't just let you put the stats up. Like, when we played Dark Sun, mm-hmm. Shattered Lands is like, you can roll or whatever. You can you just make all your stats that. whatever you want. Which I didn't notice, because I think that game did a terrible job of communicating that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'd... But yeah, I agree. It's a time saver. <laughs> it's super hard to roll 90. It's something I learned. Depending on the class, so some a lot. Um, this is you it's so wonky. What you mean because rolling ninety only. So is- that's your total stat score. Um, oh, you can, I thought you meant eighteen ninety. Yeah. So right. it, when you're uh, maybe this is an enhanced edition, but when you're rolling, it tells you your total stat score on the bottom. Oh yeah. So no. okay. So yeah, enhanced no, no, no. edition. You can see your total stat score. So most of the time, you'll get like a mid to high seventies. Uh, but every, like, I don't know, 1 in 70 rolls, you get, like, plus 90 plus. And at that point, you can pretty much hit 18s and everything. And one thing I gotta say, the stats in this edition are so confusing. Right. Mainly, like, different classes get different benefits from uh, stats. Like, one thing I learned not that long ago, in relation to how long I've been playing this game, is if you're not a fighter-type class, like a paladin or ranger, having a con over 16 is, like, pointless. You don't get a benefit. Like, con affecting a priest versus a fighter, a 16 or an 18 won't give a priest bonus health, so there's no point to go over a 16. Wow. I like didn't know that. So that's two stat. I've been playing this game longer than you. That's two stat points saved. Like, 
when making like there's just a bunch of weird like if you have a fighter and you go to an 18 you get an 18 slash where the slash represents a d100 that you also roll and the yeah. higher of the 100 the, the better your status so like if you're a character with an 18 slash 10 you're not nearly as strong as someone who has like an 1895 and uh, another enhanced edition improvement is in old Baldur's Gate you need to keep rolling until an 18 slash just shows up you can't point by pass and enhanced edition if you're a fighter or a paladin or a ranger and you point by up to 18 it'll automatically just give you a random slash or as in Baldur's Gate it would normally just give you an 18 so that saves a lot more time rerolling uh, but you can oh. also just like get a save editor if you really want to save time and you care that much about stats but then again I'm getting real nerdy here I, I, I only did that uh, because for this, I was testing specific mods, so I did have a save editor, simply so that I could go back and say, okay, what does this do? But, like, I never messed with the stats. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's that super important. You can get... Like, all the NPCs you get in this game are not really optimized, and there's enough great magic items where you can get away with not having an opt optimized character. But so if you're a min-maxer, there's a lot of things you can push. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say if you're playing this game through the first time, you should not do a multi-class. Because, I mean, the characters oh. are yeah. definitely a big plus. Although, uh, when we get to the gameplay and we talk about mods, I'll, I have something to say about that, too. Did you mean multiplayer? Yeah. You said multi-class. Sorry, multiplayer. Although, I would also definitely recommend not multi-class. Uh, or not yeah. dual-classing. How Especially can all the NPCs uh, No, dual-classing could be good, but only, like, three. All the it does seem like all the NPCs are multi-classes, which is uh, um, frustrating. It's OP. Well, there's let's there is two type. There's dual classing and multi-classing in this yes. edition. Dual classing yeah. being exclusive to humans, which is you basically give up uh, your abilities in one class, and you start over as a new class until and you you don't get the ability of your old back old class back until you've equaled that level in your new class. So if you're a 7 fighter, and you go dual class to a mage, you don't get your fighter abilities until you're yeah, a mage surpass level 7. Surpass I think that if it's equal or surpass. It... Uh, surpass. Surpass? What? Okay. Which I, sounds I a lot worse. Sorry, well, Sorry, Greg. It's really bad if you don't know what the level cap is. Yeah, because there isn't. it's not a level cap, it's an XP cap. Well, yeah. So if you dual class like a level twenty-seven fighter, it's like you're st it's like impossible mathematically for you to surpass to it or something. 20, well, it's twenty-eight. And also uh, remember that in at least I don't know if it was actually in AD and D, but in this game, uh, different classes level at different times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, based on that's, that's definitely AD and D. Everybody yeah. different has different trees. Yeah. That was so, experience per level. Yeah, it's part of the balance of like the fact that the bard would normally not work. Uh, <laughs> works because you can get a really high level. Or like that the mages are... It's like in later editions of D&D, they tried to balance across like a, a like an even XP advancement, but in older ones, they balance like, well, the mage is more powerful than everyone, so we'll just make <laughs> it take longer to get yeah. there. Like, right. mages are gods, so we'll just make them slower. And that's that was their philosophy on that one. Uh, and Dual classing, I think, leads to some of the craziest characters in this game. <laughs> uh, let's uh, yeah, let's talk about some of the characters, then. Let's talk about... Uh, John mentioned what the story base is. Uh, but let's, let's talk about some of the NPCs that you can get to join your party. Because there's some really cool people here. And the one thing that I in particular love... The one thing that has stuck with me when I think about this game the most is the inter-party relationships between the characters. You will often be walking around or doing anything, and actually sometimes that's kind of weird if you're in the middle, like you just finish a really difficult combat and one character is going to stop to compliment another character's like hair. Um, but <laughs> at different points in the game, the game will pause and then you'll see the dialogue menu and two characters will just talk to each other back and forth. And sometimes you can intervene and say something and sometimes you can't. It's just like building this relationship and i think that if you're in an adventuring party and and if you're living really closely with someone else then these kinds of things are going to happen and it it's a really great addition just to add that what do you guys think yeah that's uh something you know you see in modern games and it seems really cool in like dragon age or something you so know, i was modern. 
Bioware games. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that is a thing so they've good. been carrying on for many years. Um, but I I wasn't expecting that from a game from 2000, and I was uh, really impressed by that. I thought it was really cool too. Yeah, and there's a huge variety too. Like if the if you if you choose to have the evil characters in your party, that's gonna be fun. Because uh, you can't fill a party with those evil NPCs. There, mm-hmm. well, maybe in the enhanced edition you can. You can. Yeah. In the original game, you can't. There's only three actually evil characters, and uh, then that gets interesting with all the other characters. Yes, so, there can be moments where characters of different alignments will stop, leave your party, and literally fight each other to the death. Yes. And, and one will be dead, and you cannot raise them because they're not in your party, and that's it. Like. It's crazy that there are different moments where... And sometimes it's not even evil characters. There's one character whose name is... Anna, also known as the biggest jerk in the game. Sure. Anime. Yeah, the one that you get rid of as soon as you can if you take him. Okay. Wow. Anyway, in his story, he's working <laughs> towards becoming a knight. And if he fails, his alignment changes from good to neutral. And if he does that, one of the other characters who is good alignment, Ari, will make some comment towards him... And he will lose his temper and attack her. And then it's like, what, 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 what do I do? Yeah, I mean, he basically goes crazy if he fails. Yeah, it's um, so neat that they did things like that. Yeah. Also, the um, reputation system, mm-hmm. if uh, I, it goes from 0 to 20. I've never gone below, like, 8. But um, actually, that's probably not true. I think I've probably gone low in an evil game. But regardless, if you go above, I think, an 18... I think it's night. It's your eighteen or nineteen. The evil characters will leave you. They will yeah. say you are not being selfish enough, and they are gone. Yeah. Or you're being weak, and they are gone. And if you are like, if you've got the paladin or Maisie in your party, I think they're the two like super lawful good characters. If you go too evil, they will leave you. Yeah. So you really got. If you want both sides, you really need to stay in the middle. I remember I would occasionally like kill a random villager standing off on his own. So. Yeah. Uh, so my reputation would drop three points, and my my evil characters wouldn't leave. Because the evil characters in this game, I think, are great. And I actually really like all yeah. of them. No, so. they are. Great. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the, and um, the if your reputation if your reputation is getting close to the limit, they will complain all the time. Yeah, <laughs> all of the time. I screwed up with my uh, NPCs that I recruited at the Copper Coronet. Is that it? Yeah, the, uh, that's the, the big bar end. in town. Um, so I got there and there were all these NPCs who wanted to join the party. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll take a bunch of you on. Let's see what you guys do. And then I went out questing. And after I went to sleep for a rest, when we woke up in the morning, all of them were like, hey, I joined you to do my specific character quest and oh, you're not yeah. doing it. Yeah. So I'm leaving right now. Yep. <laughs> like, no, everybody come back. Yep. <laughs> I need you to fight. Nope. Yeah, uh, some characters don't have that, but there is a mod to give every character that, and you'd better believe. Sounds awful. And you'd better believe <laughs> really awful. that when you do that, they like they have their regular character quest. Like for instance, I think Nalia is kind of the. Mm-hmm. I think she's the what the game wants you to do. You go to her castle and you free it from trolls. Mm-hmm. So she has that quest. If you don't do that, she has. She's she out. Will, right? Yeah, it's if like you, you have to do it within like three days or something. It's yeah. real quick. Right. If you do her quest, she has quests to keep going until you go to the Underdark. Like a long time. Yeah. Because like there's politics involved in her character's background, and there's a so there's a part in her quest and in nope. and, by the way. And like Jahira, uh, Jahira's, Jahira's got a huge quest line. She's also like a quote unquote, you know, default character. Mm-hmm. And then the mod I did, uh Minsk gets one too. They all had this secondary character quest that if you don't do it like immediately, they will complain and leave. And I was like, duh. Yeah, I, I mean, had to save Nalia and and Minsk's Minsk's hamster and Jahira got cursed all at the same time. Yeah, Gee. I picked Nalia up. I picked up this dwarf guy, Corgan, Corgan, and I picked up a weird rogue named Hexat, and they oh. all. They all took off on me because I wasn't doing yeah. their particular quests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? I like that this game has so much 
variety of choice and stuff you can go out and do, but I feel like I have no direction in what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Well, the worst uh, is when that happens and you're in the middle of a dungeon and it's like, what do you expect me to do? I need you to kill this dragon. Please don't leave me. I think that's why you really have... I think that's why they do four characters in that first dungeon. Well, it's five, but you lose everyone, right? So... It, that, I think that's part of the reason I do it, so that you kind of feel attached to them and you don't want to replace all of them at once. Because uh, that's what will happen, right? If you replace all of the characters that you start with mm-hmm. with the NPCs from the Copper Coronet or elsewhere in the game, then you'll get that to happen. Does anyone want to bring up a favorite character they had? Uh, Alex, I know you uh, have a particular fondness okay. for a certain... Actually, this time... So, I, for... I've used Mazzy before, who's a halfling okay. fighter. Um, just kind of barely. She's she's one of the harder NPCs to, to get. She's like in a dungeon. Yeah. Uh, a, a pretty tough dungeon. Especially early on. And this was the first time I decided to use her. And I think she's really cool because she is a halfling who basically hates the, the D&D rules. Because she really, really wants to be a paladin. Which is not allowed by her race. Uh, and she like worships Averine, who's the halfling god of war, and she comes with a lot of unique special abilities for a fighter, such as lay on hands, and the ability, she has like a terrible strength score, but she can self-cast strength on herself, like, two times a day. Um, and she's just like a lawful good character who, um, I don't know, I like good characters. I've never done an evil run in this game, even though I've almost always had one or two evil characters in my party, I just can't be evil. So I actually really enjoyed her, and I, I love that. She's like, whatever D&D rules, I'm a paladin. Yeah, there are a few characters that break the Dungeons and Dragons rules. Minsk has Berserk, even though he's a ranger. I mean, uh, it's you know, a lot of other games have done that now, where it's like unique classes for characters. This kind of does it. Mm. Not, it's not that common. Most characters are just going to be whatever their kit is, but uh, you might see something special to better communicate the character's storyline. Sean, do you have a favorite character? Uh, okay, so my fav- my actual favorite character Edwin? is Edwin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Come on. He's great. Um, he's, he's great. He's got the. I think he has the best. Like he's the best advancement yeah. quest. Also, he breaks the rules in that yes. he is way more powerful than a mage is supposed to be, all the time. He gets like so many more spells than a normal. Mage. Actually, for some reason, forgot about Edwin. He is my favorite mm-hmm. character. What was yeah. I talking about? Yeah, actually, <laughs> I went out of my way not to use him this game because he is far and away the best mage. And yeah, he so is so good. And he, when I'm when I'm saying I always have an evil character in my party, I should have been saying I always have Edwin in my party. Well, all of the evil characters uh, are the best. At yeah, their I would, class. Corgan is the best fighter. I and Faconia is a really good cleric. Yeah, life lesson here, guys. Um, but I, so in my run through, and I know I know Alex does not like this character. Uh, I almost always have Nalia in my party because she is pretty versatile. Like she's pretty useful, and she is a little whiny. But she also has a lot of content, which is annoying when she gets kidnapped and yeah. she here gets cursed. But I think of all the NPCs, I think she has the most content uh, as well. I liked Edwin Minsk. Has... Oh, you like Minsk? Yeah, Minsk is a, a character that they actually have a comic book line going now starring yeah. him. I think he's in Ravenloft in the current line. He's got a reason. hamster and he keeps shouting about hamsters. It's a miniature giant space hamster. Yeah, yeah. thank you, John. Huh. Yeah, miniature. Yeah, I did. He was. Um, uh, he's one of the characters you start with, and I guess he's in Baldur's Gate One. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, you know, I didn't play that either, and he seems very bizarre when you first meet him. Yeah. Because uh, I guess they're assuming you already know that he's a weirdo, so he starts being a weirdo right off the bat. Yeah, it was honestly, it was like. So I knew Minsk was coming, and I guess Minsk is like the thing that everybody loves about Baldur's Gate. Oh, Minsk is so funny. Minsk is so great. Look, he's in a freaking comic like 16 years after, more than 16 years after his character originally debuted. But like, he came on, and it was just like full court press, Minsk and his hamster. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I just couldn't. I was like, really? Is this what this is going to be like the whole time? But I will, I will give them some credit that, uh, it got better. But just that starting up, I was like, oh, man, I do not have the nostalgia to tolerate this for, for like, this whole dungeon. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely he was one of maybe the few characters in Baldur's Gate 1 who really, really stands out. 
So it's great to see him right at the beginning if you're if you're coming from the first one. Uh, yeah, too bad he stinks as a character. Uh, he's he's not great. Um, there's definitely better choices. He's not terrible though. Like I, I've used them. Uh, one thing I will say: Baldur's Gate One has like twice the amount of companions in this game, and they're all so boring for the most part. Yeah, I think that's why they cut back because it was just... yeah whatever, man. A gent is for life. Um, anyway. Uh, well, I did want to bring up while we're talking about characters, they, this is one of the first games I think that had the ability to romance some of the female and or male NPCs. And I always thought this game did a really great job because it's kind of awkward and weird and there's all these giant events going on and you're trying to like do this other thing in the middle of that. And I was always like, this is probably what it's like if you're an adventurer trying to date another adventurer in the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> just that whole premise is so hilarious to me like i mean your description is a very apt one but to hear it voiced in such a way it just points out how absurd the whole thing really is you know i love it it is absurd rudy i will say this uh the problem that i have with the romances in this game is that if you play a female character which i have done I do not want to romance Anamon because <laughs> nobody likes him. Yeah, I don't. I don't even want to have him around. So no, I, I've never done that. Not because it's like weird to play a girl falling in love with the guy. It's because Anamon's terrible, and I don't want him in my party. He's, he's, the, the, only choice. he's the only choice. He is. Hair so. to least was originally also supposed to be one, but they took it out. They I think out. Valgar too. I think there's rumors that he was cut down as well. That there was more to him. I believe that. Yeah. You know, fun. Fun side note for you, John. I don't know if you're ever going to play this game again, but what you could do... Let's not get ourselves. <laughs> is you could... I found this out reading some trivia about this game. So if you start the game as uh, one sex and then use like the belt of gender swap oh, or, sure. like, or something or whatever, you can swap, but your possible romance options are fixed. So you could start as a man and then become a woman... And then your options are open up because now you've got all these ladies you can romance. Oh, really? So there you it's go, a John. Weird perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there a mod that lets you romance Edwina, John? Do you know? Uh, not to my knowledge, although I'd be shocked if there isn't. <laughs> that is, of course, when Edwin is turned into a girl uh, well, like, during one of his quest lines. I can say I'm pretty sure there's a mod for Haired Lease, and I know there's a mod for Nalia, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a mod for basically every NPC in the game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's an MO1. Uh, oh, whoa, that's weird. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there is. Uh, I'm sure it's really well written. Um, but anyway... Or, or, <laughs> are we moving on from Did you romances? have any thoughts on the romances, Alex? Uh, I love carrying a baby in my inventory. <laughs> <laughs> That's only in throwing a ball, I think. Right? Yeah, that is, but it's still the best. What? Has, has anybody successfully? Oh. You can have a baby with one of the characters, yeah. but it's you, in your inventory. You should be like a weapon. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> As um, a father, I'm offended. I like that you can mess up the romances so bad that characters like leave. I know, Ari, you can do that. You can mess it up to the point where she just leaves the party permanently. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what's well, Shahira, I think with all of them, but definitely with Shahira, I've had it where if you're in the middle of the romance and you ask her to leave the party, even if it's like, I need this character in my party to do this quest, if you ask her to leave, she is gone. Yeah, you can lose characters permanently. And you can also, one, one last thing, if you have Heir to Loss in your party and you're romancing Ari, he will challenge you to a oh, yeah. duel oh, over yeah. her affections. Which is also really cool, I thought. That's just like, oh, that's the best part about this game. I yeah. Think. Has anybody ever successfully romanced anyone other than Jahira? I don't like Jahira at all. I always ditch her. I think she's too I awesome. only have eyes for Jahira. So. When I started playing, Rudy texted me, hey, this game is cool. You can have romances, too. Leave Jahira alone. She's mine. And then... <laughs> yeah. Every oh, few days, I would get a text from Rudy like, "Stop looking at Jahira. I know you're looking." At <laughs> uh, Jahira's the only one I could ever do the the romance successfully because, uh, similar to Animan, Ari, I hate her. Even though yeah, she's actually, like if you can keep her alive, she actually gets really good. But I don't care to. Um, and Vakania is like impossible to actually Stop. do it without her. Like, I remember doing a Vakania romance, but. 
This is a long time ago. You know what? Yeah, you can. I know you can change your alignment after a long yeah, time, yeah, which I've never done, but apparently you can do that. Yeah. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give this game a lot of props right now, because I don't know if you all have realized what essentially has happened is we're all just sitting here gossiping about the inner party relation, intra party <laughs> relationship. Do you realize? This yeah. 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 Because of how they interacted with with the other NPCs, generally. Yeah. Like. <laughs> that's pretty damn good. One thing I gotta yeah. say is, uh, you know, Vegas, you mentioned that modern games do it, like Dragon Age and Mass Effect, but I think this game has so much more because it's done through text and conversation. Like, in Mass Effect, your party members will interact, but it's like, they'll say two sentences to each other, and then that's it. Or maybe in a conversation, they'll talk to each other. Well, this one, because there's so little voice acting and so much text, like, they tell very long stories to each other. Like, if you have Jan, who is a illusionist uh thief gnome uh he is like the most ridiculous character and he goes on these long extremely like insane stories to pretty much every character to the point where almost every conversation with him devolves into the the character he's talking to saying please stop talking to me i'm tired of listening to you it's really funny yeah Yeah, i forced myself to play with his character once and uh, to go through all that uh Man, not doing that again. But yeah, that's true. He has. <laughs> I love him. I love him. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, he tries to steal Boo too. It's just. Oh yeah. It's great. He's constantly trying to steal Boo from Minsk. It's one of those games where you want to play it again to have different people in your party, just to see how they interact with each other. Yeah, I disagree. You disagree? Yes, because I, I just. I think there's more commentary on me than the game. You know, like me in this point where I'm gaming and all this stuff. But like, we all agree, Greg is flawed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much investment. Like, I'd rather just go read about it at that point. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like, it just takes... Maybe it's part of my personality, too, where, you know, like, John, we were talking about this before the, the, game, the, pod, the podcast started recording, but, like... There's so much content and so many side quests. And I'm like, if I know something's there, it's hard for me to ignore it. And so I just felt so bogged down in all this stuff, you know? But, like, so that's like, I don't I don't want to do this again, mm. you know? Yeah, no, I, got, I can get that feeling. If you're someone who is, like, a completionist with these types of games, this game's going to probably feel like a chore. Yeah. Because uh, there's so much. There is uh, so much. Well, I think this, that word or that sentence just yeah. bears repeating over and over again. There so is so much. And we will go much more in depth about that so much content on the next episode of the podcast, along with our game recommendations for the month and whether or not we recommend Baldur's Gate 2. Some of the answers may surprise you. You can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Yo underscore Alex Basil. You can follow Greg on Twitter, NTS underscore QPOP. Follow Vegas at Vegas Lancaster, like the two cities. And you can follow John Fisher at The Last Fisher. All of these links are on the website for our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>